We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Silvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Bye, fans. For fans, go magic. What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is September 4th, 2023. Happy Labor Day. Jonathan Osborne here, as always, joined by my co-host, Luke Sylvia. Luke, what is going on, brother? Well, what all the Gator haters are thinking, because we got many comments on YouTube. I even saw someone leave one today or yesterday asking me about them Gators. Yes, I am still licking my wounds. That was awful. That wasn't like it was competitive. Our O-line was trash. That was the biggest thing for me. Graham Mertz wasn't awesome, but he wasn't terrible. Just the offensive line needs to be cleaned up a lot. So that was my one takeaway from the game. And now I'm just hanging on to every every word every every play as i can for this lsu fsu game hoping that uh that dirty dirty city up north doesn't get to enjoy a win today so in our beloved city orlando the city beautiful uh, might i add I, I don't want any of that i need the tigers to be happy and partying through the night the funniest thing to me was you posted to your instagram story like all right boys <laughs> don't let me down and then five minutes in you're like it's five minutes in, and they're already letting me down. Uh, that was, I found that to be pretty funny. A lot of people uh, found that amusing. I'm glad that people can laugh at my pain. But yeah, first play of the game. Touchdown, strike. I just couldn't believe it. Some backup scrub, Bryson Barnes for Utah. Uh, it was just devastating, but is what it is. We move on. And then UCF with the emphatic win in their first game. How did that make you feel? Yeah, well, you know, when you play freaking, what, Kent State or something, it's awesome. Congrats on the win, guys. The bounce house, I'm sure, was bouncing. You guys deserve it. Oh, man. Well, again, I hope everybody is having a happy and fun, you know, safe Labor Day. A couple of uh, things that we want to touch on here. So we talked on the last episode, obviously, all this stuff has been going on uh, about Dwight Howard and Magic fans, you know, somewhat well, for the most part, clamoring for Dwight to come back, you know, and, and sign a one day contract, retire with the team. Some people want him to come back and sign like a one year contract and be a backup big for this roster. Just wanted to update you all. We talked about that poll that we were doing on Twitter on the last episode. 
And that finished with 796 votes with 83.7% of our followers, or at least people that voted on the poll, saying that, yes, Dwight should sign a one-day contract and retire with the Magic. Then Mike Bianchi of the Orlando Sentinel uh, actually wrote a really nice piece just talking about how you know, the, the tragedy that brought Dwight back to Orlando for this occasion just helped remind him of you know how good things were here in Orlando and just talked about how like something that stars need to consider is when you're getting ready to leave the the team that you were drafted by and that you've really built something special with and you're seemingly moving on for like greener pastures the love of the city and the fan base is not something that moves on with you like a lot of times you have to start over so it's just something to consider and I thought Mike Bianchi actually did a really nice piece, a uh, really nice job with that piece, I should say. Luke, 83% of almost 800 votes, that's pretty... That I don't think the conversation really needs to move forward. Like It's something that the Magic fan base wants. I think it's a very different result than what we would have gotten prior to the, the Van Gundy uh, funeral to Dwight's post. I think that Dwight, you know, um, a lot of people forgave him after he did those things. And we talked a lot about it last episode, but it's true. And I, I think it just became overwhelmingly true since the results had essentially quadrupled since we talked about it after we had posted it and everything to Twitter. So yeah, I, I think the, the people have spoken. We'll see if the front office listens. The front office goes to the beat of their own drum. So I don't know that it will happen. Or that they even care. Like this front office is removed from all that, right? Like we are so far removed from it. What at this point? Like 12 years, 13 years. So 11. 11. We will see what they do. But I'm not holding my breath. But I do think it would be a lot of fun and, and really cool if we could have that happen. So we put out a poll April 23rd of 2022. And we said August 9th of 2022, obviously, will be 10 years since the Magic traded Dwight Howard. How do you feel about Dwight 10 years later? And the options were still hate him, I've forgiven him, and then indifferent. That vote got 478 votes. 14.9% of that said still hate him. So that would be basically in line with the you know, you know, 16-70% that said no, the Magic should not you know, sign Dwight to a one-day contract and retire his jersey. 43% said I've forgiven him. 42.1% said they were indifferent. So it seems like maybe that still hate him camp hasn't changed their mind at all, but that indifferent camp, mm. maybe you know, the, the recent events and you know, things that Dwight have, has shared uh, has changed their mind a little bit. Yeah, and the the minority uh, of that is very vocal, which is not shocking. More vocal, th- in fact. Yeah, so that that is why that maybe you know you would think that that poll even back then would have been different because you just see it all the time. People are just still pissed at Dwight and whatever. But yeah, it's just oftentimes that's how it goes. That the smaller camp of people is usually very very loud because they're trying to they know they're the smaller part of the camp, but they want to make themselves heard. And uh, at this point, I think that you should either be indifferent or move past it and want to welcome Dwight back to a one-day contract. There, there, you specifically said one day, and I think that some people probably still just were thinking, I don't want to sign back Dwight for anything. 
10 day, whatever, right? Like, no, we just met one day, literally, signed to a contract, let him retire as an Orlando Magic, and I think it'd be right. The Magic sort of did something similar with Hito. They they didn't like sign him to like a one day contract, but it, basically he announced his retirement through the Magic, and then they had a ceremony during a game like to celebrate Hito, which is a cool idea. I don't know why. I think I'm a little bit more partial to like the press conference where you have like ownership up there and you know the maybe like the the front office up there and everybody just kind of talking about hey why why this was important. You know, bring back you know the your former teammates. A lot of the guys that we saw in, in that you know photo would be awesome. Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit more partial to to, to that I, style, but I, I just think mm-hmm. like it it's time to to do that. Maybe once Dwight like officially announces his retirement from basketball, maybe that is when that will come because that's something else that people have said like, oh, he's just doing this because he needs a team to play for at this point and. I I don't totally agree, but I also understand where those people are coming from. I don't think that it, like I said, the front office in place has no relation to the front office of old. The head coach is obviously very different. We were, we've had so many head coaches since Stan. I don't know that that's the case. I think that he genuinely, as a whole, just being able to reminisce and everything, was finally able to, like, the picture came out, so he's like, oh, this is a perfect time. He may have came to the conclusions of being sorry and talking to Stan and all that a while ago, but he just felt, oh, this is fitting with everything going on, the pictures surfacing of the funeral and the conversations he probably had again with Stan and players and memories. That drums up all sorts of emotions, and and I, I think that's where that comes from. I do agree with your sentiment of let's have a press conference, something more formal, to where we can hear because I do think that it would be a really good segue into what the magic are building of we want the type of success that that Dwight and that team led back then and we're moving forward to that point and we're you know so happy that Dwight can retire as an Orlando Magic and just go from there I think that would be a really cool perspective and a good path to take it's not like you're in the middle of a a rebuild that's going terribly you know what I mean I think you're just in prime position to have something like that happen in the next year or two. We were asked on Twitter, like, what would be the point of that? Like, what would be the benefit of that? And honestly, at the end of the day, it's it's like a fan service kind of thing mm-hmm. in reality, right? Like, signing Dwight and retiring and having a, a press conference or a, a ceremony during a game, like, what real benefit does it bring to the organization? But is it so wrong that as a fan who is rooted for this team my entire life and has seen fractured relationship after fractured relationship with our star players, with Shaquille O'Neal, with Penny Hardaway, with Tracy McGrady, with Dwight Howard, is it so wrong for me to just want something that's like warm and fuzzy and be like, you know what, the Magic, this didn't go perfect with the Magic, but at the end of the day, it was warm and fuzzy feelings. Everybody held hands, sang Kumbaya. And we were able to move on. And hey, look, now Dwight's able to come back to games and be celebrated. Now we can like really embrace like, no, like, sure, Dwight played for a ton of other teams after he left here. But at the end of the day, everyone is going to remember Dwight for playing for the Magic. Is that so wrong that I want that? I don't feel like it is. 
No. I I mean, he almost played more seasons with Orlando than the other places combined that he went to. And I, I he didn't, but it, it's very close. I think, what, he played like nine seasons or ten seasons with other teams and eight total with the Magic. I think it's deserved. We wouldn't trade anything, right, for those days to have those back. Obviously, we wish we could have won the NBA Finals, but I would, I would kill for an NBA Finals appearance. I'd, I'd kill to come in second in the entire league right now, if I'm being quite honest. I Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be satisfied with that in, in totality, but from just a point-blank standpoint, barring, you know, considering what we've been through as fans last decade plus sue me i would love to uh, get back there i'd do a lot to to get there so we'll uh we will see what our front office cooks up i am hoping but not necessarily super optimistic that it happens i would love it though the last thing that i'll say about this is there's also been some commentary just about like Dwight's relationship with the DeVos family and just kind of how that was fractured during the, the the breakup, if you will. But like you go through a breakup with your ex and you're like, oh, she's toxic or he's toxic, whatever. I don't want anything to do with them. And then you find like the new love of your life. And then all of a sudden that, that other person isn't so bad anymore. Or, like when you're in the honeymoon stage with your new thing, that's the mm-hmm. best time to be like, oh yeah, you know, they weren't so bad. So like we're looking at Paolo, we're looking at Franz, we're looking at this young team and we're all in love with them. It's like, oh, Dwight, you weren't so bad, buddy. Come on, come back over. You know what I mean? Like, if there's any time for everybody to just kind of, you know, bygones be bygones and, and shake hands and move on, like, this is the perfect time to do that when the, the franchise and the organization are really in the best spot since he left. Yeah, agreed. Moving on, so... Jonathan Isaac announced, you know, a, a few months ago, like the new apparel brand, the sports apparel brand, Unitas, that you know he was creating. And uh, at like the launch event, he revealed the Judo One that he's going to be releasing through Unitas, and announced that he's going to be playing in that model this season, which led to a lot of fans sort of being, you know, concerned about Jonathan Isaac, who has had injury problems in the past, playing in a model of a shoe that is really unproven on the NBA floor. And, you know, it gave people sort of flashbacks to Lonzo Ball and like the big baller brand when he tried to launch his own shoe and the absolute failure that the big baller brand was, you know, in in terms of creating a, a, a signature basketball shoe. So I was uh, just on YouTube this week and a, a video came up from a, a podcast that Jonathan Isaac did uh, with Ruslan KD. He's a, a YouTube creator. He has a, a podcast. Jonathan Isaac was on uh, that podcast and they started talking about the Unitas brand and uh, started talking about the shoe. And a, a couple of highlights from that, Luke, Jonathan started to talk about how like the process of creating a shoe that he is collaborating with a company called Soulworks which is mostly comprised of ex-Nike and ex-Adidas executives and designers that have like, I want to say some of those guys have like 25, 20, 17 years of experience working for these various companies and in different executive and designer roles. And basically what that company does now is like guys go to them to have like one-off basketball shoes 
created. So the fact that they have so much experience in the industry, Luke, at least for now, put my mind at ease when we're talking about like a super unproven shoe. Like these guys know what they're doing, at least you would assume so given their experience. At the root of this, people just want to clown J.I. for wearing his own shoe because of injury history, his beliefs outside of basketball. So you're not going to win everybody over with this, with the the facts of it all, unfortunately. But I, if you are open, an open-minded person, you should feel better about this. I feel better about this. You and I both were like, whoa. Where is it? Like, why is he doing this? Why is it something that he wants to do? I will say I gave him the benefit of the doubt because of how important this upcoming season is. It's like, right. He's smarter than to just go with a shoe that some guy that he, you know, met in an alley created for him. Like I I figured this was the case, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm glad we got confirmation on that. Right, but we didn't know it was the case. We didn't know the experience, right? Like True. it's very different with the background of of the the people that are taking care of the shoe. We know that they have long experience, not just some like some people thought like, oh, he's probably not even using anybody that's had any experience, right? The the people that wanted to clown on him more than others. So it is very reassuring to say the least, that this is what's come out. The shoe seems like it'll be good. You don't have to sweat it. We're not going to really be able to blame a shoe for anything that happens at this point, but based on the knowledge that we've been given of the people oh, behind people it. People absolutely still will, regardless of the to. facts. They absolutely but those are the will. people that I don't listen to anyway. So I I am interested, but I'm I, I feel a lot better now knowing that. Another point uh, that came out from that interview is that J.I. went to like the design professor at UCF and he basically put on like a contest where students in the UCF's design program were asked to make submissions for the shoes design and then the five best were chosen and actually implemented and those students were paid for the design. So it was kind of like their first gig, if you will, into like their design career. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then Again, he'll be wearing them this season and they'll be available for purchase around the season start. And he opted to have them manufactured in Vietnam rather than China, I guess, because of the better you know, work standards, I, I guess, in, in Vietnam. I'm not going to even act like I know about <laughs> work standards in Vietnam. So uh, but that was just a, another point that, I, you know, a lot of people, you know, commented on when uh when the shoe was announced so if you're you know want to uh, watch that you can find that on youtube again ruslan kd it's spelled r-u-s-l-a-n-k-d talks about a, a ton of stuff with with jonathan isaac so if you're interested in that you can go and watch that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And then Luke, a little Osceola magic news this week. Yeah, I, some of you guys might have seen it yesterday or September 2nd, I should say, since you guys are listening to this on September 4th, Labor Day, that the Osceola Magic made it really what is considered a, a I don't know, I, it would be a blockbuster trade in terms of G League standards, where the Osceola Magic are dealing away three different players, one of which Magic fans are very familiar with, and Jay Scrub, who did a lot of shouldering the weight for Osceola last year when he you know when he was playing games for them. Jay Scrub is who the Osceola Magic are sending Jay Scrub, Devontae, I'm not even gonna act like I know how to say this, Kakak, I don't know. Um, and Micah Potter are all going to the South Bay Lakers, obviously the G League affiliate of the Los Angeles Lakers, and returning rights, uh player rights there is Trevlin Queen, who this is where I we want to explain because Jonathan and I both admittedly were a little like, bit huh? confused. Yeah. Well, didn't we just acquire this guy and South Bay had nothing to do with it. So why are we now dealing with South Bay and the, and the, the rights of Jay scrub? This is where we're still learning when it comes to the G league and how now that the NBA is becoming so interactive with the G league and transactionally the magic recently with travel and queen signed him to an exhibit 10 as a result to be able to have him sign to the Exhibit 10, have a chance to play, all those sort of things. Unlike a two-way, you need their rights. So you need their rights to be able to play um, their player rights for the G League as well because you know doesn't go on, if it doesn't work out and he doesn't make the official Orlando Magic team, he can go on to play for the Osceola Magic at this point because now you have his rights. Jonathan and I, we made sure we reached out to the right people and got an explanation. I got a couple different ones that aligned, obviously, both people in the basketball world with the Magic, and were able to really lay it out for us. So that is really the example. I just wanted to clear that up for the people that might have been as confused as we were as to why this even happened yesterday when we already had signed Trevelin to the uh, Exhibit 10. So best of luck to Trevelin. Jay Scrub and those other guys are headed to the South Bay Lakers. At least their rights are. Now they obviously can go play overseas and whatever. And South Bay will just have their rights for when they return to the league if they do, if they decide they want to. What it says to me is that it's not very likely that the Magic sign Trevel into a two-way. Because if they knew that that's what they were leaning towards, then this wouldn't have been necessary. They could have just signed him to a two-way and they wouldn't have needed his you know, quote-unquote returning player rights. At least that's you know sort of the explanation that we got when we reached out, Luke. So, yeah. And uh, again, it, to me, when we signed Trevlin Queen to the the t- Exhibit Ten, some people were like, "Oh, two way coming, two way coming," you know, because he won the G League MVP a couple of years ago. But uh, you know, we already have so many guards. I was like, ah, I don't really know that that makes a ton of sense. 
And this, to me, sort of lines up with that philosophy that he's probably not headed for a two-way because, again, this wasn't really necessary if they weren't, you know, if they were going to sign him to a two-way. Yeah, and he's trying to make, at this point, the roster, uh, essentially, is what he's gunning for. He was a two-way with Fort Wayne, so he's wanting way more than a two-way, as most G League players are, but it's more of a reality for someone like him who has been in the G League for just a few years. He's still relatively young. He's a bucket. He's very talented. So I think that good things can happen for him. He's still very young in his career. I'm happy for him, and and hopefully he can make some noise and, and camp or, or get picked up on a full contract because at the end of the day, that's what it's about for those G League guys. They just want a contract. They don't care where. And working in the G League for a short amount of time I did, you still have a heart then for... You know, rather than someone who might not have seen it firsthand, these guys and got to know them and how great that a lot of them are. And at the end of the day, you just want them to to be able to get paid to do what they love. And the G League, quite frankly, usually isn't really that unless you just aren't on two way for a very long time. Moving on to the FIBA World Cup second round. First off, we're going to talk about Germany and Georgia, both of those teams first foray in the second round here if you need a reminder germany went three and zero in the group stage they were the top seed uh, in their new group which consisted of germany georgia australia and slovenia and you had two more games germany was going to face off against georgia and slovenia if they won both of those games they would finish as the top seed in that group and then move on to the semifinals Basically, they're taking your first round record, bringing that over into the second, and then after you play your two additional games in each group, uh, that is going to determine the seeding for the the knockout round, uh, officially starting with the quarterfinals. Uh, Germany took it to Georgia. It was a close game in the first half, and then Germany turned up the pressure in the second half, and they, they win this one going away 100-73. to No Franz Wagner still. I think this was the third third game or fourth game in a row that Franz missed for Germany since rolling the ankle against Finland a couple weeks ago. But Mo Wagner in 20 minutes off the bench, 14 points, six rebounds, five assists, and a steal was a plus 21 for Germany. And Goga Batadze off the bench for Georgia in 24 minutes, 15 points, six rebounds, two assists, one steal, one block. He was a minus 11 for Georgia. Again, Georgia put up a good fight in the first half, Luke, uh, but just couldn't get it done. And then uh, Germany had one more game against Slovenia uh, to see how they were going to finish uh, the group stage. And we'll talk about that in just a moment. But then, Luke, we had USA versus Montenegro on Friday. And this was a a close one, really, until the last few minutes. Montenegro's size and, and just the rebounding advantage that they had in this game uh, just gave the U.S. a ton of problems. We knew this when the roster came out, that rebounding was going to be an issue, uh, but really was a huge issue in, in this one. But the U.S. escapes with an 85-73 to win over Montenegro. The Magic's Paolo Bancaro, 14 and a half minutes, 8 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal. And Nikola Vucevic, Orlando Magic legend for Montenegro, in 26 minutes, 18 points, 16 rebounds, including seven offensive rebounds. The U.S. as a whole, Luke, had 31 rebounds. Montenegro had 23 offensive rebounds in this game. 
And that was really, Luke, what allowed Montenegro to stay in the game and really just give the U.S. a, a hard time and, and make this a much closer game than it ever should have been. And I think this is kind of where the conversation starts as far as Steve Kerr, his substitutions, who he's playing. Because you see a guy like Vooch who obviously can rebound the basketball. And in this one, you know, he has 16 rebounds. And then you look and Walker Kessler played five minutes. At some point, and, and I believe I didn't watch the Lithuania game, but at some point, the lack of rebounding or lack of size rears its ugly head. And you're going to start running into that issue with these teams, especially the later you get. A lot of these international teams are decent rebounders, rebounding teams. But this should have been an eye-opener. And then you play Lithuania, and I believe much of the same. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But a lot of people are questioning Kerr and, and what he's doing and why he's playing certain personnel. He's really committed to this small ball thing. He's very tunnel-visioned on it. At what point do you give Kessler the nod to just literally go in there and be a rebounder? Because in this game, he plays five minutes against Montenegro. And I, I mean, I, I don't know what, what's going to happen from here, but you got to address it, I think. Yeah, we'll talk more about that, I think, as we go through and we talk about the mm-hmm. U.S. and Lithuania game. But you're exactly right. Like, this was a bad omen. Like, Cam Johnson did not play at all in this game for USA. I think Walker Kessler, you know, playing the five minutes that he did, it was just really apparent that. The U.S. needed more of a rebounding punch uh, mm-hmm. and just like rim protection in general in this game. But you would think that this game would have been sort of a wake-up call, especially when you see just kind of the similar style of play that Montenegro and Lithuania have. And you're going from playing a guy in Nikola Vucevic, and then you have a guy like Jonas Valanciunas for Lithuania. So it should have been like the writing on the wall. Again, we talked about this when the roster was announced. Like, oh, well, rebounding is probably going to be an issue on this team. But then the weapons at the you know the coach's disposal to help improve that in the middle of the game weren't really utilized properly. But yeah, this was sort of the writing on the wall heading into the Lithuania game was going to be how does the U.S. sort of yeah. adjust to the issues that they had and, with Montenegro. And the other thing as well, Josh Hart up to this point has been your rebounder. Double-digit rebounds in multiple games, I believe, up to that point. But surprise, surprise, Josh Hart goes up against actual rebounding talent and he's not able to do it. Not in this game, not in the next game. So something's got to give. Kerr cannot afford, if this team wants to win the gold, cannot afford for this to happen. I don't know that at this point in the game, you're going to be able to run guys out of the gym. Teams have gotten this far because they've gotten this far and you've got to address weaknesses small ball stuff just might not cut it long term. And unfortunately the way this roster is constructed, you you've got triple J and, and Walker Kessler. And then that's really it. And obviously you have Josh Hart, but you know, as far as true guys that are going to rebound for you, your options are pretty limited. And that might be why he's selling out for the small ball. Cause he doesn't really have an option. Then the last game of Friday was Slovenia versus Australia. And this game was basically like winner is going to move on. And Australia, they they tried their best. They put up a good fight, made it close in the the last you know few minutes of this game. But Slovenia ends up with the 91-80 victory, essentially ending Australia's World Cup run. And it wasn't even really 
by the hands of Luka Doncic. Like Luka in 29 minutes had 19 points, seven rebounds, seven assists. But you've got guys like Gregor Hrovat uh, with 10 points, Mike Tobe, 18 points, uh, Prepolich, 11 points, Nikolic, nine points off the bench, uh, Jacob Sabasic, nine points off the bench. Like it was really a, a full team effort by Slovenia. And you look across, you know, down to the other uh, bench there, and you got Josh Giddy, 25 points, Patty Mills, 17 points was awesome. Dante Exum, 13 points, but four of 13 from the floor. And Australia really just doesn't get any offense anywhere else. And, and, and Slovenia has continued to, to knock down shots and, and made plays throughout this game. And now Australia is a team who you know, was projected to go pretty far into this tournament and you know bounced. You know, had a, a game today uh, against Georgia, which was um, really, I, I think, just mostly for like um, Olympic qualifying and, and stuff like that. But basically, that that game you know really didn't matter in terms of this World Cup, as both teams were really already eliminated from advancing. But yeah, our boy Joe Ingles uh, finished this game twenty six minutes, zero points, two assists, one personal foul was a minus six for Australia. Joe Ingles really did not have a great FIBA World Cup, which is you know a little alarming to some Magic fans. Like, how much does Joe Ingles like really have left in the tank? FIBA is really different from the NBA, and you know he's going to have a lot more talent around him. Really, it was like the shooting that he really struggled with. Playmaking, he was he was pretty much fine for Australia when he was asked to do that. But just in terms of like scoring and, and knocking down open shots, not a great World Cup for our boy uh, Joe Ingles. Well, I mean, and to be fair, like his, I don't know that his. I mean, obviously, this could be inaccurate as far as what he's done but it looks like he's been averaging about eight or nine points a game in FIBA again these could be inaccurate but even in past international play I mean he hasn't gotten over like 11 points a game since like 2012 so it's a role thing I want to think but even still I mean he he was also just bad not making open looks yeah so we will we'll see what ends up happening with Joe Ingles, but I mean, listen, man, once a shooter, always a shooter. A drought is a drought. This guy can stroke that thing when it comes down to it, and you give him eighty-two games to get you know in that rhythm and not just a short span like FIBA. I'm not worried about it. I don't expect him to play a huge role in this team, but we just need him to make shots when he's open. That's really it. And, and play make if need be, but I don't really think that's going to be asked of him much. Yeah, a two-week stretch of really not being able to shoot the basketball isn't something to be super concerned about. We saw Gary Harris not be able to buy a bucket for two and a half months a couple seasons ago and still basically finish the season shooting 40% from three. So just because a guy goes through a, a slump, you know, doesn't mean he's going to, doesn't mean it's over for Joe Ingles. So we're not saying that. We're not thinking that. If anyone is, like, let's just pump the brakes a little bit. It's just a bad FIBA World Cup run. But yeah, Australia's FIBA World Cup definitely cut short. Luke, let's take a second here just to give a special shout out to the wonderful folks that help make every episode possible, our awesome patrons. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a platform uh, where you can support your favorite creators and uh, just be a part of them creating things that you love. And we do have a Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show, where if you just want to help support the show, 
You can do that for as little as $2 a month. If you want some additional benefits that we offer, we have other awesome tiers too. You can join in and, and be a part of what we're creating here. And as part of our Patreon, we give a special shout out to our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons on every single episode. So as always, I'll go ahead and start with our boys, the Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Jonathan Borges, Normal, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Wiffle, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Francis Warren, Pierre A, Nostalgia and M&Ms, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum, Drum, Drummy, Drum, Drum, Danimal, Dotto 15, Bobby Skinner, PV in the Mix, Goaty 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Gerardo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destined for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time Mr. TV, ESPN Really Sucks, Gear 95 Shred, Junior Bruce Haffrey, and Shahin 177, Bobby the Don, Himlo, Ben Himro, RM Prop 221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Hit 714, Spanking Season, Soft Taco, Victor Cologne, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only Franz, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz, Currency Kev, and Bruv Sal. A big thank you to all of our patrons, our Hall of Fame and Elite Tier patrons. If you would like to join our Patreon, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. Luke, on Sunday, we got into the final games of the second group phase and sort of determining who was going to be moving on to the, uh, what are we at now, the quarterfinals and officially the knockout round where if you lose, you go home. Uh, but Australia and Georgia were still playing in some classification games. Uh, Australia with the 184 win over Georgia. Joe Ingles in that one, 10 points, three of nine from the floor, three of seven from behind the arc, good for 42.9%. Good to see from Joe Ingles. Added six assists, five rebounds, and a steal. And uh, for Georgia, Goga on the other end in almost 30 minutes, 20 points, five rebounds, and no assists in that one for Goga. Goga at times throughout this World Cup, Luke, a little bit frustrated with uh, his role, and sometimes Georgia was not getting Gogo the ball uh, whenever he wanted. And then we had Germany versus Slovenia. This was really going to uh, determine, you know, who's, you know, well, Germany was moving on, you know, to the to the next round there. Regardless, this is really just a, a game, you know, for seeding. Both of these teams were uh, going to move on. And Germany with a 171 victory over Slovenia, even without Franz Wagner. So this team has been so impressive throughout the the warm up games, throughout the World Cup. They've been playing the last you know, three or four games without Franz Wagner, and again, guys are just answering the bell for Germany. Mo Wagner, ten points, eight rebounds, one assist, and two steals for Germany in 17 minutes. And Luca, not his best game for Slovenia, 23 points, uh, but 22 field goal attempts. So Germany and like the totality, sort of, you know, the, the sum of the, the parts, just too much for Slovenia. So Germany uh, ends as the top team in what was that group K? I believe I may be mistaken there, uh, but they're going to face off against Latvia on Wednesday as their first game of the quarterfinals, Luke. And now we're going to move on to the uh, just absolute atrocity that was USA versus Lithuania. Lithuania pulling out the 110 to 104 over the US. Luke, Lithuania started this game by making nine straight three-point attempts. USA was down pretty big early on. I think they were down by as much as like 19 in this one. 
came all the way back to make it a four point game late in the fourth quarter, but just could never get over that like four to six point hump. Uh, Lithuania would get the lead back out to seven or eight and us would cut it to six. They'd cut it to four and then it'd be back out to eight or back out to nine. USA would get it back to six. They'd get it back to four. And then Lithuania would just get it back out to six. Like the U.S. down the stretch just could not get multiple stops. And if they got multiple stops, they could not get consecutive buckets. And the offensive execution, I know we've been talking about this. Yes, the U.S. shot 53% from the floor in this game, but also just got crushed on the glass, out-rebounded 43-27. to Lithuania had 18 offensive rebounds in this game. Lithuania shot 14 for 25 from behind the arc, 56%. Anytime you let your opponent do that, you're going to have a, a tough time winning. Paolo Bancaro, six points, two rebounds, two assists, and a steal in 16 minutes. He was a minus 14, really the worst of anyone on the floor uh, for USA in this one. I'm looking across the way, Jonas Valanciunas, 12.7 rebounds. And of course, Ignis Bradstakis, 11 points, two rebounds, four assists in 21 minutes for Lithuania. Luke, you talked about it earlier, but all of the shortcomings that we've seen from this Team USA throughout the friendly games, throughout the first few World Cup games, all sort of showed up at the same time for USA in this game, and they lose to Lithuania. Yeah, not too much to add in this one for me, Jonathan. I, I transparently didn't watch the game. Uh, you have been way more locked into these, as people know, as you've been providing great coverage on Twitter as best you can and uh, doing a Thank great you. job with it. So I I lean more on you for, for obviously, the, the recaps and things like that when it comes to FIBA, but there's really not much else to add as to as far as the rebounding, which we've talked about. In the hot shooting start, I didn't know the Lithuania started like that. I knew they shot well throughout the game, but I didn't know they came out of the gates firing like they did. It makes sense getting up as much as they did. And did it did it seem like at any point that it like especially out of the gate was it more like just tough shot making from Lithuania, or did USA seem a step slow because maybe they already knew their ticket was punched? Or as it, far as it was a little bit of both. It? Like throughout the game, Lithuania made a ton of tough shots, but especially to start the game, like the U S was just like a step slow, you know, not crisp on their rotations or, or when they were switching or sort of where to help and like just slow close out to guys. And like after a team starts four or four or five from like five for five from three, you gotta, you gotta switch something up. You gotta switch your coverage up. Just stay a lot you know, tighter to, to some of these guys. But again, like they're rebounding, like they're rebounding right away in this game. Like Valanciunas had such an advantage. And even defensively, like Lithuania was just like really packing the paint. And Team USA was like, well, we're just super athletic and talented. So we're just going to drive right into these guys. Hope we get fouled and try to finish around them. And they just did that time and time again, like especially in the first half. And it wasn't working. This game was really only as close as it was because uh, Anthony Edwards... 35 points, 53% from the floor. Anthony Edwards did basically everything he could to keep the U.S. in this game. And even he wasn't getting the best looks. Like He was just making stuff happen like out of thin air. But it was just so much hero ball of like, hey, we're down right now. The offense isn't really flowing. I'm just going to try to do something myself here and go get a bucket. Like I hate to hate on Jalen Brunson. Like, you know, he's been 
criminally you know underrated over the last couple of years you know by me in particular like I thought it was a, a crazy signing by the Knicks but like when Jalen Brunson is in the game and he's the one operating the offense like it has absolutely zero flow whatsoever it really becomes like when he is on the floor with Anthony Edwards it becomes like my turn your turn kind of offense and that can work a lot of times in the NBA where you have more spacing like the three-point line is further you know you have better athletes there's just more spacing during those games and that can work at times but it's really hard just to sort of like put your head down and get to the rim unless you're like really a dynamic athlete Anthony Edwards is great at this. Jalen Brunson is not what I would call a dynamic athlete, like is very crafty, but doesn't have like, I would say like an explosive first step in the way that maybe like a guy like Dennis Schroeder, who is great at doing that in FIBA for Germany, like, oh, we need a bucket. I'm just going to get to the rim like a Shea Gilgis Alexander for Canada. Oh, we need a bucket. I'm just going to try to get to the rim and make something happen. Jalen Brunson relies a lot on angles and and you know forcing contact and being great at touch and finishing around the rim and I just don't think that style of offense has been particularly effective for the US. The US has been best in FIBA play, international play this summer when they're getting stops, they're getting out in transition or when they're just whipping the ball around in the half court and we didn't really see any of that versus Montenegro and now against Lithuania. The US started on like a 13 to 2 run to start the second half to like really get back into the game, but after that 13 to 2 run like sort of let their foot back off the gas and like Montenegro just went and continued not Montenegro in this game, Lithuania continued to just rebound the ball and knock down threes and particularly frustrating is Walker Kessler comes into in this game He's, he only played six minutes, was a minus 10, got one rebound in that time. But Walker Kessler, you know, he hasn't played a lot for this team like the entire summer so far. But when like Valanchunas is just out here like eating up boards and uh, said, said that curses, I, I'm screwing this guy's name up so bad, but he had 11 rebounds in this game. When those guys are just feasting on the glass, Something needs to change, whether it's like a Jaron Jackson, Bobby Portis lineup, or if it's Paolo Bancaro and Walker Kessler being out there. Like these, you know, four wing lineups that Kerr likes to run, like it's the death lineup, Golden State Warriors. Like it is not working against Montenegro and Lithuania. And the absolute refusal to go away from that almost cost them the game against Montenegro and cost them this game against Lithuania. And as you get further into this tournament, like the U.S. actually got a little bit lucky with the way that everything is sort of breaking because had they won, they would have been playing Serbia, who's played really well in this tournament. But since they lost, they're getting a better matchup in Italy, which the U.S. should be able to beat Italy and move on to the semifinals. So you sort of get a little bit lucky. But look, if you go up against Latvia or Germany in the semifinals, and you don't address any of these issues that you've had throughout the tournament, the U.S. are going to have a disappointing semifinal, and they will lose in the semifinal if they play the way they did today and if there are issues that Kerr just absolutely refuses to make any adjustments to. Yeah, I, I do wonder the, the, the continuity that he's had in Golden State, like what he has built with like these small ball lineups. If that's just hurting Team USA and, and the sense of his theory and 
willingness to adjust. Typically, if you have an issue rebounding against other teams, if you're Golden State, you could just rely on hot shooting. And like you said, spacing is just so vastly different that the option really isn't there. You can make tough buckets, but I don't know that you're going to just have all these open threes that the Warriors can generate with everyone being so great off the ball, especially when you got guys on the team who, quite frankly, don't want to move off ball. They don't want to pass the ball. It's kind of just the colliding of these two worlds that unfortunately creates the perfect storm for Team USA and allows these teams with rebounding advantages to take advantage. I don't know what he'll do moving forward, but I do hope that you know he would adjust and at least take some accountability for the fact that the Montenegro loss was or win was as close as it was, came down to the wire until they could pull away, and then this Lithuania loss on top of it. Andy Liu, uh, who is part of the uh, Light Years pod for the Blue Wire Network, co- covers the Golden State Warriors. He tweeted this out because you know, he's in California, so this game was started at you know five forty or whatever it was. There, he tweeted, "I wake up to Lithuania making nonsense threes against a Team USA playing weirdo lineups that should have been up by ten to begin with." Yeah, I know a Kerr coach team when I see one. LOL. I'm going back to sleep. So you have a guy that watches Steve Kerr, you know, 90 plus, 95 plus games a year, regular season and playoffs. And like, this is evidence of a Steve Kerr coach team, like refusal to get away from what has worked in the past, essentially is what it comes down to. And like you said, like, he's had so much experience with those Golden State teams. Well, guess what? This is not the Golden State team. And like if if you're going to be the lead decision maker on this team USA roster like you need to be that's in FIBA like every game is different because every team has different styles of play and you need to be ready to adjust to that like these last two games we should not need any further evidence of like okay you have a game plan game plan didn't work you're getting your butt kicked throw the game plan in the garbage try to adjust to what the other team is doing that is putting you at a disadvantage. And to their credit, they really ratcheted up the pressure in the like the beginning of the second half. They were getting stops. It was like if Lithuania missed, they were getting the rebound, they were going the other way, and it was just like as soon as Lithuania sort of like got back in gear, the US could just never get close again. And it's just really frustrating. But now we have a super interesting quarterfinal with US and Paolo Bancaro going against Italy. <laughs> That's going to be interesting to see the Italian fans' reactions to Paolo Bancaro. If they were smart, they would just get over it and cheer this guy in the hopes that one day, as he's aging, he wants to come and play for the Italian national team. Don't burn that bridge, guys. The kid is 20 years old. He's got a lot of basketball left to play. You don't want to just completely like ruin that relationship right off the rip. Although, as we've seen in social media comments, these Italian fans are are very, very passionate. And then Germany going against Latvia, which Latvia has been really one of the the big, I I don't want to say Cinderella stories exactly, but they've been a a great story in the tournament with some upsets. Definitely, you know, not a lot of people picked them to, to get as far as they have going up against Germany on Wednesday. And if the U.S. and Germany are both able to win, 
where had the U.S. won today against Lithuania, then the earliest Germany and USA would have seen each other would have been the finals. Now, if both of those teams win in the quarterfinals, they will face off in the semifinals, which will be really a, a strong conflict of interest because we have Franz, we have Paolo, but also because I've got a nice bet that I put on Germany to win this entire tournament <laughs> where I paid 20 bucks, and if they win, it pays out 500. So, right. you know, my... My my loyalty right now is 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 being tested, for sure, Luke. Yeah. But man, what a matchup that would be in the FIBA semifinals: Paolo versus Franz. If Franz is able to come back, and just because I keep up mainly with betting lines in general, as you guys know, I always tend to bring it up. It's always brought into discussion somehow. And that's what I'm going to do right now for us, Jonathan, because it's about all I contribute to, to a FIBA conversation. USA minus 155 to win as it stands the World Cup. Canada plus 400. Germany with the third best odds plus 800. Serbia plus 1,000. Lithuania plus 1,600. Slovenia plus 2,300. Italy plus 5,000. And Latvia plus 7,000. So there's your odds. What did what were the odds for uh, Germany plus what? I I don't remember exactly what it was, but basically twenty bucks turns into five hundred if it cashes for me. I can go ahead and 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 try to log Pretend into my account as quickly as I can. Plus twenty five hundred, maybe. I don't me, know. But go to it's my plus open bets now, here. So you obviously got into it at the right time plus 2500 is what i got i was right wow that was the first time i've ever done mental math correctly so incredible display of talent by me uh now they're plus 800 so if you didn't get on in on germany then i feel bad for you jonathan so it looks like a great bet third best odds now to win and you just need the u.s to, to struggle a little bit in that game obviously if it comes out to what they can meet in the semifinal is that right correct and now, like Germany, you know, has one of the more favorable matchups of the quarterfinals, at least on paper, versus Latvia. Latvia has been playing really, really well. But if Germany is able to to get past Latvia, and then like Germany was up, you know, fifteen points, I think it was in the third quarter against the U.S. when they played a few weeks ago. If the U.S. isn't able to get their stuff together, and Germany is able to to pull off, you know, what would be an upset. And Germany goes into the final, and you're looking at the other half of the bracket in Lithuania, Serbia, Canada, Slovenia. Canada, a team that Germany's already beat this summer, lost to in another overtime game. Like if Germany makes like the final, like I, I just looking at this, like Germany has just as good a chance as any we've been saying this. I've been saying this. Germany has just as good a chance as any of these teams. To win the FIBA World Cup, I don't understand how they're still at what you say plus eight hundred. Plus eight hundred. I don't understand how I got oh plus six hundred, eight. Oh plus eight hundred. I thought you. I mm -hmm. thought you corrected me, but even a couple mm -hmm. weeks ago, I didn't understand how I was getting them at plus twenty five hundred. Like they're obviously not watching, you know this uh, this Germany team. But yeah, USA obviously could flip the switch. Start playing really well and you know win the next few games by twenty each. I don't think anybody would be super surprised, mm -hmm. but they're running out of time and they're lucky that that performance came in the second round where they had already advanced essentially and that it didn't come in 
the knockout round because they'd be going home. And that was another thing that I saw today. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, Lithuania sends home the USA. Like, no, y'all, like this this game didn't mean that much, even though it, it, it did mean a, a ton. So last week of uh, the FIBA World Cup here, I know my sleep schedule is really going to appreciate it when it's all said and done, but it's been a, a great tournament so far. It's been a lot of fun, Luke. And yeah, once FIBA World Cup is over, we literally have three weeks in one day until media day and magic preseason starts. So really looking forward to that. Super excited for this season. Yeah. Yeah. Just about right, Luke. 30, 31 days away from that media day, but who's counting? All right. What do you say? We wrap it up. Let's wrap it. Let's do it. All right, folks, that is going to do it for this one for Luke Sylvia. This has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening to the six man show. We will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the sixth man show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic! It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com